It's Radio 89.7 FM. This is Arts Monday Simpoesi streaming to you from the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. My name is Ira and I'm joined this morning in the studio by artist Elia Bossard, who is here to talk about her project Room Studies, which will be showing from 19th of May till 10th of June at Cronenberg May Ride Gallery on Stanley Street here in eastern suburbs. Elia Bossard is an installation and visual artist whose works center around the construction of material and mental spaces, encompassing site-specific installation, sculptural scale models, drawing and writing. In her practice, she draws on sociopolitical and phenomenological aspects of space to express the felt but often unseen relationships we have with the space and place in daily life. Room Studies, the work we will be talking about today, draws on this interest by looking at placement of doors within rectangular spaces, i.e. rooms, and how these architectural designs condition the way we move through space, exercising habit or agency. Elia, good morning. Thank you for joining us here on Eastside. Good morning, Ira. I always love chatting with you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> pleasure, as always. Um, how has your morning been so far? And what are your mornings usually like? Are you a morning kind of person, a night owl or something in between? Um, well, right now, being just a week and a half out of the exhibition, it's, um, uh, you know, when you wake up in the morning, but you're not fully awake, but your mind is already racing because you're thinking about the to-do list that you wrote the night before and you just need to get up and do it. That's my morning at the moment, but I know in a few weeks I'll just be probably more calm getting up. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that stress rather than alarm gets you out of bed these days? I wouldn't call it stress. I'd just call it um, being extremely energetic and, Mm. uh, I don't know, I, I just... There feels like a dynamic energy when you're heading into an exhibition and your head and your body is fully in the work that you're making. And um, I I kind of like the automatic uh, cycle of waking up and just getting straight into work. Mm. It's, um, It's a good feeling to have. I don't think it's sustainable, but in this moment, I'm enjoying it. So how long can it be sustainable for, in your experience, few weeks, months? When, um, when do you need to crash and just have a, a bit more sleep? Well, I think I've had experiences through study of reaching, and work as well, in theatre particularly, of reaching my limit. And so these days I'm very aware of when I'm getting close to that limit. So I always pull back and have some balance. And so after this exhibition, I will take some time to just think and reflect and just enjoy being with the works, um, the physical works, because they've been very conceptual in the way that they've come together. Um, And the physical component really has come towards the end of this process of making. And so I think it will be nice just to spend time with the works in the gallery space and yeah, take that uh, sort of slow time. Yeah, afterwards. Mm. Yeah. And in terms of reflection, is this something that it involves, involves writing or having conversations with people in the space? Definitely both. I really enjoy talking with people who are visiting the exhibition and I think space is, just as a topic, um, as an experience, is something that everyone has a pathway into mm. speaking about because we all are 
inhabiting space, um, but we all also have the a similar or shared experience of domestic spaces or workspaces and how we negotiate those with other people. So, um, yeah, it's it's really, I don't know, it's really enjoyable for me to use art as a prompt to have conversations around space with others. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> which is what we are doing this morning. Um, yeah, it's absolutely very relatable project that you're working on. And as briefly mentioned in the introduction, the project is called Room Studies. And in it, you focus on a particular feature of the room, of the space, and this is doors, the way they are positioned in the space, uh, the quantity of them within the space, and then how this uh, positioning and quantity impacts the way we move through spaces. Could you speak about uh, that interest? How was it sparked? And do you remember that moment where you initiated this idea to make this work? Yes. Uh, So the way that I'm thinking of this project, Room Studies, is trying to find the essential elements that make up a room, a rectangular room. And why a rectangular room? I was thinking about being inside a lot and Mm -hmm. where do we spend the most of our time, really? And I was looking around and realising that most of our rooms are rectangular shaped and it felt very like a very contemporary idea as well as a very ancient idea, this rectangular room that we construct. And it's a very human shape, but it's also, I don't mean that in the organic sense, I mean in the constructed sense. Um, So boiling down what a room is made of, I mean, it's obvious, walls, four walls, a floor and a ceiling, and then entry point into the room doorways. But where this really started was I was thinking about how I was presenting work, installation work in different spaces, theatre spaces, black box spaces or white cube gallery spaces or found site-specific spaces and I was drawing parallels between what these different, how these different spaces work, what is it in the architecture that I'm actually responding to, how am I reshaping the space or pulling details out of the space. And so then understanding, oh, well, actually all of these spaces are very similar. They're all rectangular rooms, just of different dimensions and proportions. And I found that really interesting that there is so much cultural behaviour and perception around different rectangular rooms, even though they're the same kind of space architecturally let's Mm, say mm. Um, just the the facade or the decorative details or the ornamentation changes so if we strip all of that back what are we left with a rectangular room and doorways I haven't included windows Mm. or any extra details like that because I'm more interested in how we move through the space Mm. Um, whereas a window I really think is a way that we can see through a space or beyond a space Mm -hmm. it sort of expands us into areas beyond the room so that's why I've chosen just to stay with doorways so I started constructing models to represent these spaces and I decided to use concrete and I think that comes from just living in Sydney I live very close to the city so when I leave my house and walk down the street I can see the city skyline and it's a very good reminder of every day of um the place that I'm in and I love it because it's at times very beautiful 
and at particular times of sunset, the way the light reflects off the glass is just stunning and I love Sydney. And then there are times when I walk through the city and I see all of the development and the lack of community consultation and feel very angry at developments like Barangaroo that happened on land that had already been designed to have a public park in place and a kind of destructive capitalist approach to just plonking really masculine structures into places that really should be shared amongst the people that live there and so I feel a a tension in the way that I relate to this city and I think that that definitely plays into how I'm thinking of these rooms Uh, it's hard to articulate maybe the connection between these ideas but those materials have definitely featured in this exhibition. So coming back to the models, I've used concrete and I'm also using glass and I have also created a model of a room in bronze that is moulded from a concrete model. So in a sense trying to memorialise this material as well. So I'm getting a little away from, I think, where we started. <laughs> but, <laughs> but besides of using, uh, beside of making these um, models that are made of concrete or one of them being made from bronze, you're also uh, making drawings in uh, which you trace the imagined pathways through space based on the amount or number of doors in this space and their placement. And so what I really love about your work is that it's very related to the body, the way that our bodies interact with spaces and how this is conditioned through design. You sound like somebody who comes from architectural or urban planning background and yet you come from music and set design. So how did this background, your artistic background, inspire you to look at movements through space or pathways that we make through spaces why are you honing into this particular part of relationship to space Mm. Um, I suppose there's two parts of that from music at least because music is was a very big part of my life as a classical performer and um, I should also say not just performer but practitioner because being a classical musician is you spend most of your time by yourself practicing Mm -hmm. and repeating uh, your practice process and repeating material to bring it to a place of refinement and perfection for the two minutes that you may be on stage or longer. (laughs) Um, But um, so there's that side of that music study that has still has remnants in the way that I practice art today. There's a process of repetition and small variation and trying to bring a work to a place of refinement and then there's also the performance aspect which is being on the stage and understanding the experience that a performer has a responsibility in a way to bring an audience into a space for them to have this experience of music but then also as a audience member what is that experience like when you go into a theatre or a concert hall um, to be invited into that space to feel comfortable in that space and this dichotomy between stage and audience I've always found really fascinating and that informed my my interest in installation art because I I wanted to try and disrupt that binary situation 
because it felt quite authoritarian in a way, the single, you know, prolific performer coming onto the stage. And there was just so much, um, you know, classical music, it's, again, it's, it's, it's a beautiful world of art, but it also is so full of really rigid conventions that I always didn't feel comfortable with and tried to push against. So changing the experience of listening to music and the spatial experience of music and the relationship between audience and performer for me that was a way to kind of rebel against those conventions and so that really started my journey into reconstructing space which took me into theatre and theatre design so I made this move from being on the stage to really being behind the stage and the designer of the stage space. And so now I'm in this time working with thinking about how actors move on stage and the kind of places that you create on stage. And when you're reading a script, you have to anticipate all of the different places in this world. So say we're set in a a house Mm -hmm. um, and all you see is a single room, perhaps for the whole play. And there may be three other doorways on the stage. Those doorways, you cannot see through the doorway. And yet, as an audience member, you're watching that narrative unfold and you understand that the door on the left leads to the street. It's Mm -hmm. the front door. And then the door on the right, it leads to a bedroom. And the door in the centre leads to a kitchen. So while we don't see those places, we have an understanding of space beyond the visual. And it's really important as a designer to consider what the mechanics of that space is and to be consistent about them because it shapes not just the audience's understanding but also the actors blocking on the stage as well and as a designer you can really affect an actor's performance in that sense because you're shaping already before um, even going into the rehearsal you're already shaping the movement on that stage mm-hmm. and it can be dynamic or it could be static you could mm-hmm. put um, furniture in between So, I mean, furniture carries its own symbology, but they also become objects to move around and create different pathways and shapes. So I think my background in working with space in these two areas is is definitely a part of how I'm thinking about room studies as well. Um, And, uh, yes. Mm. Now that you speak about furniture, on the other hand, when you're making these drawings, they are actually quite pared down in a sense that there is only a simple shape of a room, like a uniform shape of the room, and then within it we see these lines drawn in red which represent these imagined pathways. So it's a very simple image which leaves lots of space for imagination of those who experience it to fill in these stories. And it's interesting because you're speaking about imagining actors moving through space. So what goes through your head when you are imagining these many, many possibilities of movement? What are you factoring in? Are you factoring that there is a furniture in this space? Are you considering the light in the space? Are you thinking about the kinds of doors that these are? Although none of that is given to us as the audience in the end. Hmm. I really just wanted to boil this down to the essential. So In the drawings, they're presented like architectural plan drawings, really, as if you're looking from above down onto the floor plan. And 
the pathways I drew, I just wanted to really express the most direct pathway through the space. And also like the most average pathway. So uh, the mean pathway through that space, let's say. Um, And that was tied into, I started thinking about the speed that we move through space and it felt like a fast movement from going from A to B. And then I started to, you know, consider, well, what if we moved slower? Um, Would that change the way that we walk through this space? So I wasn't really thinking about objects um, that we would move around, more about time. Like if you're in a gallery and you're walking quickly from one room to the other, how much do you are you able to see? Mm. Um, but in the gallery, we would have objects that we would be moving around, like a plinth that's maybe in the space or that we pause in front of a painting. And, and gallery is a good example because as curators, we very intentionally design the pathway through space and the experience of the audience as we do in the theatre. We position objects in the space or artworks in a way that constructs the order of movement in the space. Will you be moving from left to right or across the room or things like that that would come Mm. in consideration? I guess I just wanted to empty the room completely of anything except for a person. Mm -hmm. And And always one person? Or are you considering potential interactions as well? Oh, yes, definitely interactions. Um, But that really was the result of drawing the pathways, thinking about it as a single person, because the more people that I imaginatively entered the room was related to how many doors were introduced into the room. Mm -hmm. So the drawings and the models uh, have a variation of either one, two, three or four doorways and they're placed in different parts of the wall. And, um, I mean, this was all a discovery for me. Like when I started the project, I really had no idea what it would be. Um, I just wanted to draw all the different variations of rooms with one to four doorways and see what happened. So it was, I don't know, it was quite playful actually just drawing the the pathways through. I didn't actually think about it very much until later. But when I started to organise the drawings, I realised that there is a very dynamic shift from just one doorway which is a looped pathway you enter and exit through the same door obviously um and then adding a second doorway all of a sudden that creates a corridor and there's a much more directional way that you're experiencing the space it's um a feeling of going somewhere or exiting somewhere um it's not a dead end and so trying to bring these theoretical ideas into reality observing the kinds of spaces that are built like this so a single door room we're thinking of rooms like bedroom office bathroom um a study maybe a studio um for me i'm definitely thinking of the more smaller spaces but that's that's not true in reality really Mm -hmm. um but there's something contained about these spaces um tombs uh, usually singular doorways. They're, they're places that you end up in and perhaps spend more time in that you could feel comfortable in, but then also perhaps trapped in at the same time. Jail cells as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then adding a second doorway, you know, even if it's 
in your small apartment and you have a doorway from your bedroom to a balcony, there's that sense of movement through the room already, a sense of access to somewhere else beyond where you are right now. And I think it's, uh, well, look, this is my opinion, but it feels easier to leave the space when there's more than one doorway mm-hmm. because you're given an option. Yeah. You have a choice, more choice. And then when you introduce three doorways, it was like, oh, wow, okay, all of this choice all of a sudden. Like, I've got two doors to choose from. And I'm thinking of spaces like living rooms, you know, or um, that have you go to the kitchen or you go to the bedroom. And um, that room itself, it becomes a shared space with other people because there's traffic all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Um, And then four doorways, of course, expands on that again as well and four doorways thinking of places like lobbies or foyers or arena uh, stadium entries or exits or um, uh, like large gallery spaces so yeah actually now I'm thinking about this um, this is not true in reality but the way I think about it is the more doorways the larger the space in my mind like it seems to expand in a way Mm. even if that's not true architecturally it feels like the expansion of choice and possibilities is there Mm. you're on ESA Radio 89.7 FM this is Arts Monday Simpoesi streaming to you from the Gerigal land of the Eora Nation my name is Ira and uh, we are in conversation with artist Elia Bossard who is here to talk about her project Room Studies which will soon be showing at uh, Cronenberg May Ride Gallery on Stanley Street in eastern suburbs and it will be opening on 18th of May So, Elia, one thing that you just uh, spoke about is choice, uh, making choice in how we move rather than just being guided by someone's design decision on how we should move. And the idea of choice and agency is something that's relevant to your work. You want to bring attention to the way our social behavior is constructed through design, can you speak to that a bit and, and why? Because obviously design is also something that is there to aid the simplicity of movement. It can be done with care. It has a function of efficiency and speeding things up, making choices on our behalf so we don't have to expand that mental and physical energy. And yet both you and I feel that something might be lost through this simplicity. Hmm. I don't really know where to begin, to be honest. <laughs> Big one, yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an example because I think that's the best way to dive in. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of... Um, look, uh, the most obvious example is COVID and lockdown. I mean, that's still deep in the psyche I think of how we know our spaces and feel limited by space and um, let me think I was just speaking to someone recently who was telling me how they when they were in in COVID lockdown and they were doing hotel quarantine so they were in a hotel room here's another single doorway space and um, no windows that could open either so and they had a process of creating a routine structure straight away as soon as they came in allocating 
different parts of the room to different activities. So, uh, you know, this is where I do my music practice. And then in this corner of the room, this is where I do my one hour of dance in the afternoon. And then this is where I do my laptop administration work here. And then bed is for sleeping. So I thought that was really fascinating because they were extending their control over that space in order to feel comfortable I imagine I mean I can't say but I imagine to feel comfortable but also just to get through the entrapment that they knew they would experience in that space being stuck in the hotel room for two weeks Mm. so how do you get through that mentally and it was yeah I mean an interesting approach to expanding the space in a way by creating different places within the room so that was really interesting Um, in terms of my experience about feeling confined by space I don't know I I think Sydney as a city has a lot of challenges in terms of accessing spaces like public spaces um, which is slowly changing Um, there was a fantastic councillor who's just retired Jess Scully who's been involved in a lot of organising you know street events street-based events where a street would shut down in Glebe or Darlinghurst or King's Cross for a day a whole day and I mean it feels like that's a really easy idea to achieve but um you know I think to shut down roads to traffic in Sydney is not that easy in reality and uh there's an expectation of the way that we use public spaces So opening up the streets to the public instead of the traffic creates this amazing energy where people are getting outside and getting out of their interior spaces. And then, you know, we've all been seeing like those um, concrete barricades coming up on the roads outside Mm. bars and restaurants. And so now we can do alfresco dining. Wow, radical. Um, But it is kind of radical for (laughs) Sydney. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like... It's beautiful. It's so nice because now you can walk down the street, at least in Glebe where I'm based, and there's like energy on the street. We're not just like walking inside and, you know, having to go into the building in order to get that experience. It's like expanding our social space into the public arena. And I think that's really great. And I really hope we have more of that, you know, in Sydney as well. Um So I think it's just contrasting, you know, our very limited spaces in COVID and then these efforts to kind of expand beyond those limitations has definitely been in my thinking. But then also I know in this experience of many people as well. And I suppose coming back to rooms, I'm trying to find agency what agency we do have when we're limited by such rigid structures as four walls. And I think that example, you know, of this person in hotel quarantine is a good example of that. I mean, it's not, it's, you know, hopefully not something to be sustained for too long because it's difficult, psychologically very difficult. But we do have ways that we can break with habits and break with conventions of using space in order to free ourselves from those boundaries Mm. another thing that i was contemplating when looking at your works is the idea of body being a space and body being a structure and how the size of a person would 
affect the pathway in a way as well because I guess as a smaller person you would find a quicker way from one door to the other and maybe go more direct and you would feel it being necessary if your steps were larger because you're taller so these are the kind of things that were also coming through my mind and then also you know the psychology of a human being on that particular day whether we are rushed or you know what is happening with us mentally and all that made me think that you know while design predicts the way that we move through psychology and psychological studies which is ultimately what you're also doing when you're imagining these pathways you're considering the psychological makeup of human beings but with human beings there is always that tiny potential of unpredictability that wouldn't exist if you've placed robots in the space who would just follow the the most predictable logic Mm. I'm actually so glad that you brought that up about unpredictability because now I'm thinking about um, children and thinking about children in space and I think one thing that I'm not sure if it will come across but something I've been thinking about in my process is um, the playfulness of space and the playfulness that children have in space and how can we as adults I suppose get back to a bit of that playfulness and you know, when children use um, play equipment, for example, that has been designed by adults and there's a lot of, you know, play equipment that is um, standardised as well. So go to any park and the slide will probably be the same and it'll probably in the, be in the same place in relation to the monkey bars as well. But children will follow those ideas, but then they'll also disrupt them completely and, like, hide underneath the bottom of the slide and it's going to be this tiny little space or um, climb the monkey bars from the top or something. And, you know, they're just great disruptors. And I think that kind of playfulness is really wonderful to, yeah, try and find ourselves. Mm. What do we lose when we lose that playfulness? Um, A sense of fun. (laughs) I Um, I don't know. For me, it's freedom. It's just, yeah, a reminder that we we can choose. Yeah, we can. We have choice in life. Mm. You're on Issa Radio 89.7 FM. This is Arts Monday Sympoesis. And we are in conversation with visual and installation artist Elia Bossard talking about her project Room Studies, which will soon be showing here in eastern suburbs at Kronberg May Wright Gallery on Stanley Street, opening on 18th of May. Maybe we'll have a little music break to take some breaths um, and settle in our chairs, or maybe you can choose to walk from door to door to door in your spaces as you listen to music uh whatever you do stay on east side fm we'll be back in just a few seconds and this track that i'll play now is by nicolas ja and it's called spaces only noise if you can see Yes, 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 yes. 
Isse Radio 89.7 FM, Arts Monday, Simpoesis. My name is Ira, and today we are in conversation with visual and installation artist Elia Bossard, who is here in the studio with us, uh, telling us all about her latest project called Room Studies, which will be exhibiting at Kronberg May Ride Gallery on Stanley Street here in eastern suburbs from uh, 19th of May until 10th of June. The work explores various configurations of doors within a rectangular space and how their placement and quantity informs our movement through the space, bringing attention to the constructed relationship between our bodies and spaces, and exploring the potential for greater agency within these predetermined environments. Elia, one of the things that I'd love to talk about in relation to this work is the element of time in relation to the movement through space. You already spoke a bit about it in terms of pace of movement uh, that can be affected by the size of the body. But then also we spoke about how design's purpose is to speed time up in some ways, to make our lives more efficient, to ease them in a way of not needing to take too much time to consider how we move. So it definitely doesn't want to confuse us in any way. So we have to contemplate and take time. However, doors are also spaces that could be connected to pause and lingering and taking time to consider whether we will go in or go out, enter or leave. So I'm curious if any of those contemplations have been a part of making this work. On time, that was something that came much later. uh, Because as I was saying earlier, I was thinking about the directness of the pathway. And through directness, as you were saying, design in that way allows us to be efficient and quick and get from A to B. So what was then interesting to consider is, well, what don't we see or what don't we experience when we move so fast? And if we change the pathway, what will that open us up to experiencing? How can we draw ourselves into the recesses, uh, the corners of a room? Is it something that we place there like a table? Is it drawing us to that space because there's something we need to use on that table, turn a lamp on, for example, or is it just like a storage area? Um, I really think time, though, thinking about time was very influenced by the project we did together, um, Space Body Habit, and you directed me through an exercise through rooms and you asked me to move very slowly through this series of rooms and to stop and think about my choice of direction. And I could do that at any point, but that I should just take my time to think about where I would move to next. And so that was actually really great because I moved so slowly and then I realized I could do things like move backwards or I could, um, you know, I could, uh, well, you asked me actually to try and contradict my decisions and um, contradict habits. And I think that was really such a great awakening and awareness of agency that we have when we move slower, um, which, you know, 
you you have such a great awareness of because your work is so much about time and so I think having that embodied experience of moving through spaces in that way has yeah definitely played a part in how I'm I slowed down some of the mm-hmm. drawings yeah what do you mean when you say slow down some of the drawings does that mean <laughs> that you know. were drawing slower <laughs> Well? I, okay. Um, well, uh, <laughs> so let's say let's imagine a room with a rectangular room, and there's a doorway at either end. So in the short walls of the room, and so a very direct path would be a straight line from left to right, left to right, and that's very quick to draw. And then when you're drawing, imagine I'm trying to draw a pathway going to all corners of the room and then maybe move diagonally across it and maybe come back a little bit and then, you know, maybe visit the last corner and then exit the room. Um, to draw curves like that actually takes a lot of care and um, I'm not, that's definitely not something I've mastered. Um, but also with these drawings, you know, I, I, I can't go back and erase any mistakes, so I have to do it very carefully. So with those pathways, yes, even in the drawing, it's slow drawing Mm, nice now you reminded me also when I was in your studio and you were showing me these works and there was a note at the time under the straight lines that they are fast movements and then under curved lines there were slow movements and I kind of questioned that because I suggested well just because it's a straight line it doesn't mean that we are moving fast. If anything, maybe the ease of movement allows us to move slower because there is some sense of comfort, I guess, in straight line, while the curb line could be very erratic and manic, I guess, in some way. Mm. So that was interesting to have that conversation I suppose yeah yeah no I loved that because it was um highlighting some kind of contradiction and I was like oh you're right (laughs) um but then it was very helpful for me because I I realized that fast and slow weren't literal descriptions of the pathways really um it was more it's more thinking uh um fast and slow because really those words could be substituted with direct and indirect um, but fast and slow is much more poetic, I think, and it um, it it gets you in the body as well. And slow, I think, can also be not. Um, I think slowness feels difficult as well and effortful. And so, even if you're moving manically and fast, and um, I think you gave a great example. It's like this is the this curvy pathway looks like I I have to get out the door and I I've lost my keys and I'm frantically trying to find them and I'm moving all around the room quickly. Um, but I find that really, in a way, it has a slowness because it's effortful because you have to explore the room and you're you know touching things. You're looking through your jacket, your bag, your opening drawers to try and find your keys and so you're having like a very um uh, tangible experience of the mm-hmm. space that way so for me i i consider that as being slow because you're uh requ- spending more time spending more mm-hmm. time yes yeah yeah mm. yeah that's interesting um and then uh, now that you speak about keys um <laughs> another thing i was thinking about is whether doors are locked or 
open uh, that we are entering because obviously if uh, we needed to unlock them that would change our pace but then again you know it it could slow us down down but it also could agitate us again because we have to perform this extra action and maybe we are in a rush to get into the room so that could actually increase our internal sense of agitation which is a sense of speed mm. And I think I've asked you this question at the beginning, but maybe I want to come back to it better um, when you imagine these spaces, although, as I was saying, what we are given as viewers is complete simplicity. It's just a shape of the space, architectural drawing. But are you imagining different kinds of doors that this could be? You know, how wide they are, or whether they're automatic doors where you have to press... Uh, the button, or are there sliding doors, are there see-through doors, or the, all these other different th- th- kinds of doors that, Let, that would affect our movement, yeah. Well, perhaps one thing to clarify is that in the models and the drawings, there are actually no doors. They're all doorways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been calling them doors because I think it it describes the function of it better. Um, uh, but uh, Probably I'm I don't think I'm thinking about the doors themselves as much as the places they could be in. So mm-hmm. uh for example, one model is uh has four doorways on one long wall. So it's I don't know where do you experience a space like that like four doorways on one wall doesn't take you anywhere you you go in and then you exit so I mean something that came to mind for me was like those large function center rooms Mm -hmm. um and where you or like a convention center room and you enter in from one side and then you know you've got like uh you know those ballrooms where you have like big events and you set up all the tables and there's the dance floor and or um or like an arena foyer you know like you enter in and then you exit the same way and there's um i mean that's those those doors aren't i I guess i just imagine it in my mind like it's not a literal uh representation like it's it's i suppose a, a symbolic or a model representation of these kinds of places. So ornament and like specific details, like the kind of the door haven't really been something I've considered in making the work, but I like to imagine what they could be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now that you spoke about um, potential of four doorways distributed across one wall and you said where do you experience place like this what was your research process like in developing these works was it like a field research where you went to as many spaces as possible and observed what kind of door frames or doorway configurations exist there have you googled what's out there across the world across the cultures have you considered historic changes in how many doors we have these days in places as opposed to past? The way that I approached this was uh, it was from a a theoretical place, a conceptual place. Um, I was interested in drawing just for fun. Like, oh, uh, if I change the doorway in this rectangle, how many variations can I get? 
If I add another doorway, how many variations can I come up with? So that's how I came up with the collection. And then I was, you know, thinking, oh, well, this doesn't feel like a real space. Like, where have I seen this? And so from that point, it was trying to apply the theory into reality. And so I did go and, yeah, just out and about um, observing spaces. And um, it was actually great going to the new Art Gallery of New South Wales building the Sydney Modern Project because um, it was such a large new building to have a really fresh architectural experience of and that for the first time large groups of people were navigating that space so trying to observe what was happening there um and I also did some research as well um like reading into architectural history and I was curious to research how old rectangular structures are and they are fundamental to civilization it's it's just amazing it's um uh, just tens of thousands of years we've been creating rectangular shapes to live in or have ritual uh, practices within. Um, and I've also been researching concrete. And um, and then, yes, I, I suppose it's been a bit of everything. It hasn't been a very sequ- sequential experience mm. <laughs> of bringing the work together. But, um, yes, it's I, I've been... I suppose trying to collage my design approach because, you know, as a, when you learn design, you usually start with the research, you usually start with the reading the books um, and gathering the information and gathering the images and then using the resources you have gathered from the library, from the internet um, to construct your design. Whereas I am really trying to experience space um, at any point in life and any place in life and allow that to kind of emerge as a collage with structured research and conversations with other people and time that I spend in the studio doing exercises and sketches, um, little explorations like that. So it's hard to kind of pinpoint a a linear process in terms of research um, or where data comes from in order to inform an idea, but probably the best way I can describe it really mm. yeah uh, you just mentioned doing exercises in studio what do you mean by <clears throat> exercises well I suppose maybe to describe that I've got a project that I I don't know if you call it a project let's call it a sketchbook um called shapes of space and you know every so often um, I'll sit down and draw with the fewest lines possible a concept around space so for example today I'm thinking about a square if I change the size of this square as many times as I can on I have four lines on the page so I have limitations that way Um, I'll change the dimensions of this square and I draw a human figure scale figure how does my relationship to that shape change no, no, it's just like a little record of ideas around space. So it's good for me as well because it just forces my thinking around variations of space as well. And there's no, you know, no, nothing real about it all the time. It's just changing our relationship to a shape or a place. Sometimes places emerge. Um, sometimes it's just 
a vertical line and a horizontal line, what does that feel like when you put a body next to it? Yeah. Mm. And obviously the gallery is a space in itself that you are constructing through the way that you will position the works in creating our pathways as visitors through the space. What are some of the considerations that you have in that curatorial sense of how you will place the works in the space? Well, without going into too much detail, because I would like to leave it as a surprise in some senses, but um, the gallery is a really gorgeous space. It's comprised of rooms, which is a beautiful setting for this work. And one room is downstairs and one room is upstairs. I'll just say that the downstairs space, I feel like is the first experience of the exhibition. It's a... Uh, it's, it's, I've tried to leave room for visitors to come to terms with the ideas that are being presented in the exhibition. So it's more empty, let's say. And then the upstairs space... I wanted that to feel more full. So maybe I'll just leave it there, actually. Well, let's uh, leave it there, and we'll leave it there for this show as well, because I'm just realizing that uh, we are coming close to 12.40 here in Sydney um, on the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. Euronisa Radio 89.7 FM. This is Arts Monday Simpoesis. And we were just in conversation with visual and installation artist Elia Bossard talking about her project Room Studies, which will be showing at Cronenberg May Ride Gallery on Stanley Street from 19th of May to 10th of June. We'll have a short music break and then slowly come to wind down this show today. East Radio 89.7 FM.